Heartbreak. Wobble. Despair. Let down. Choke. These are words Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it's going. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. From the Mesmerized Studio in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your host, Robert Tate and the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome back to this, another exciting edition of Believe in Atlanta Sports with me, your host, Robert Taylor, and with me as always, the encyclopedia of Atlanta sports, the Globetrotter. He was at game six. Sadly. I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna make this happen someday, but man, my life with this new job just gets busy. Things break, computers break, but anyway... The commissioner, Mark Rich, he's right here because we got to get an episode out. There's there's a few things to talk about, but we're also trying to change up our format just a little bit. We're trying to shorten these things and tighten them up and and have maybe a little bit more uh, of a script and some structure uh, when we want to uh, crank these things out because, A, we are busy adults, and B, you know me, I, I'm, I'm a talker. Uh, if you get me going... I will talk, but I own it, unlike some other people who are just rant and ramble and, and, you know, you try to get off the phone with them or whatever, and they just don't see they're doing it. I know I do it, and we're still, it's still in the works. We did an episode, I saw a billboard on the way, kind of had some social commentary on it, on it, you know, stream of consciousness, whatever it may be, and, and maybe it just wasn't right for the show. We're not sure. We, uh, so we got one in the can we might get out. And what we'll see. Uh, but point being, uh, I also had another revelation before we dive into this uh, stuff, and 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 it's about how we're always jumping on uh, the 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 negative fans, the 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 bridge jumpers, uh, the, the the cliff divers. You know, everybody that just woe is me. This guy's falling. And I said, you know what? We're we're not going to talk about him anymore. That was part of my show. Was I was going to try to jump on them every little bit, but I think you know what? There's no changing them. There's no saving them. There's no rescuing them. We need to stick to positivity and just how we appreciate uh, our, our teams and our town and, and just let those guys be, and they'll do their own thing, and, and maybe they'll come around and maybe they won't, but I'm not going to waste any more time getting upset and letting those guys get a rise out of us. So focus, we're, focus we're, on the positive and wait for, exactly. them to, wait for them to do that peek around the corner thing like, hey, what are those guys doing over there? Yeah, because we could do that, but we're not going to waste any more time on it because we have too many things to talk about, and, and you guys know what we're about here. We, we take a very um, – What's your what's the word I'm looking for? Um, analytical approach, maybe biased approach. Yeah, I mean we're homers, but like you know, if you know if things go wrong, we don't just spiral out of control. We we understand how the game works, and 
and and how a season works and how you know just one act in this one game doesn't ruin your season it doesn't mean a player stinks or any of that it just kind of is what it is and and you roll with it you adapt you adjust and and you see how things play out kind of like the Falcons first round pick at number 8 Bijan Robinson running back out of Texas we said on on the episode that we got that we're debating on whether or not we want to put it out uh, content-wise, that, that we, we would not be mad at that pick. And I'm not mad at that pick. But a lot of people are wondering why did they do it. And I'll just offer my opinion. In, in a lot of respects, I think the Falcons as a franchise and, and Terry and Arthur felt this is just me kind of you know stepping into their shoes and kind of just speaking for them but I think they feel like they did enough defensively with the signings and in the trades that they're okay there so they didn't really need to go defense with that first pick and Arthur has already come out and said this and I saw the guy play at Texas he's a game breaker he is a dynamic player he's more than just a running back it puts a new wrinkle in that offense Man, what are you going to do with CP? You know, we talked about him maybe going in the slot, some kind of scat back, just so. And now with Tyler Algiers, who's a thousand yard guy, you tweeted out, you're going to have to respect the run. So if you got to respect the run, that opens up things you can do in the passing game. So. When a fun stat about Bijan, he didn't drop a single ball thrown his way last year. Yeah. So the guy can run, he can catch, he's elusive. And, and Mark, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Algiers is more of a, a north south kind of a. Hitch you know, in the mouth. Hitch in the mouth runner. And Bijan is that elusive guy that can cut and move and, and come out of the backfield and catch passes. And he's just more than a running back. So Arthur likes running backs. You think about that Pittsburgh team where Arthur Smith was with those guys. And they had, God, I mean, Heinz Ward, all these runners and, and, and playmakers. On, and, and this was the early 90s, I think. Ken Wisenhunt was there. But you know who else was there? Getting, getting trained up, coached up? Arthur. He was there. So he likes to do that, and and like I said, I, I like the moves they made defensively. It seems like the Falcons' defense is is much upgraded over last season. Now, round two hasn't started yet. I, I will tell you, with that pick, I'd like to see maybe an old lineman, a, a big, strong old lineman with that pick in round two. I think we're at the 13th spot, so that would be nice. There's a few names. There's a few names out there. The, uh, the kid from Florida, Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida, like him, the I, I think his name is Cody Mock. I'm not sure, but that is a big country toothless, just a bad man. Like I, I, I like I'd like to look at him. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm I'm scrolling through right now because I couldn't remember. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. is still on the board at corner. Um, offensive lineman, I, I feel like is just a a big deal. Like if they get it, like they can feel really good about what they have going on. And if they don't address offensive line in the draft, and it's going to be one of those, that's going to be their question mark. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, we end up losing Casey Hayward, so we are, you know, I, I feel like we could also use something in defensive secondary, never get enough pass rush. Um, the Bijan thing, though, not mad at all about drafting him. Uh, home run hitter, they they compared it to, um, you know, his impact on the Falcon season this year could be similar to, Saquon Barkley's impact when the Giants drafted him and and all that sounds that sounds great but they were they were just truly sold on him too. You hear everybody talk about it after the fact and I I know that you normally say that but after hearing Bijan talk and after hearing like the comments of 
uh, Arthur and Terry. Like it, it just it, it feels like they knew they knew ahead of time. But we also I feel like we also fell into like the perfect storm of like what the negative fan base like can't handle. So the the pick right before us, Tyree Wilson comes off the board to the Raiders. And I texted my buddy Jay, who is a, a huge Raiders fan. And I was like, this is starting to feel an awful lot like that Jake Matthews, Khalil Mack deal we had a few years back. And uh, he he laughed. But, you know, the next pick we picked B. John Robinson, which instinctively I was like, I I was thinking Jalen Carter or Bijan. I didn't think that anybody else at that point because they were both on the board and I don't know. I when I was watching it happen, I I didn't realize that when we didn't pick Jalen, then the Eagles were going to trade up and get him. So us not getting him and then a team trading up right behind us to get him immediately made all those Bulldog Falcon fans go, "Ugh." Especially yeah. since he's going to play with his Bulldog brethren in Philly. Yeah, and, and we'll get to that in a minute. But So everybody's like, well, why don't we have another wide receiver? Well, well we do. His name's Kyle Pitts. He's, he's, he's more than a tight end. It may say tight end, but the guy's a receiver. He just catches the ball. We got the kid from New England that can play tight end. Franks is still hanging around. Maybe he emerges. I don't know. Good athlete. We'll see. But on the you're talking at, at one point on a field, you've got Ritter at quarterback. You could have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algiers. Those are some nice weapons around you. Especially if you're in and that's the that's why the signing of Johnny Smith was such a big deal, is because the now it 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 flexes Kyle Pitts even more. Not, and, and let's not forget about our man Cordero. Uh, 100%. Still there, and I didn't mention him. So <laughs> now on a field, for one play, you could think about it. You could have two backs, London, Pitts, Patterson. That makes you think as a defensive you know, guy, as a defensive coach, like how do I def- how am I going to defend this? They know how to defend it, but it's like, okay, where am I going to put my attention at? And then what, a- what happens if, if, if Robinson splits out wide too? And now you're, yeah. now you're, four, now you're four wide with Algier in the backfield. I, I – I know that I don't know him personally, but I know that like Arthur Smith is just salivating thinking about this. Oh yeah, he's already come out. And the thing that people don't understand either, it's not just about and and I texted Mark, I was like, Man, they just won't draft UGA players. What is their aversion? He's like, Well, it's not about that. And I, I look, I'll put my hat on, my conspiracy hat on. I, I I think there's something there. I don't know. But it's more it's 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 definitely more about just the player's ability. Because like you said, they come in, they interview. You're interviewing for a job. It's not just he's a great athlete. You come in and, and you tour the facilities. A lot of prospects came through Atlanta. You tour the facilities. You meet with the staff, coaches, players. Everybody kind of gets a sense of, hey, will he fit in here? His personality, everything. Does he even like the city? I'm sure they're probably watching you to see how you act around the facilities and around the city and everything. And is this the perfect fit? Maybe after interviewing Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, they just didn't, something there didn't jive. Maybe they didn't check all the boxes. Because that's a thing they talk about too is when they draft guys, like do they check all the boxes? So maybe that's not a thing. I just know right now we're living in a world where Philadelphia has – Jordan Davis, 
Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Nicobe Dean. Guys that know each other, if they guys that Keeley. have chemistry, I'm just saying. And Ringo is still out there. Yep. I'm just saying. I, I, I just, I, I've never seen the Falcons. I'm not saying that it's a bad draft. I'm not saying it's a bad pick. I like the pick. It makes me think, wow, we're going to have a pretty exciting dynamic offense to go along with some of these new additions on the defense. Some older veteran players. But, you know, like, like, like Calais Campbell, he's 36, a little older in football years. But maybe he's good for two or three series and Grady rests. You know, just how they work them in and out in depth and in, in leadership in the clubhouse like you talk about in the locker room and all that. But I just never have seen the Falcons come out of a draft and, and feel good. I like the B. John Robinson pick. We'll see how they do. This could be the first Falcons draft ever, I'll say, to where I actually feel good about what's happening. But the fact that the Eagles have been able to do this it's amazes crazy. me. Hmm. While they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, have fun. I'll go ahead and tell you this year, the Eagles are going to beat the Falcons. You know why? Because we won't be able to fucking score on them. And nobody will. I'm not saying no, but I, I, I'm saying right now today, you you hear it right here. The Eagles could be fielding a historic defense. If these, I mean, Jordan Davis, I don't see why his play would drop off. Nicobe Dean, freakishly athletic, really smart. So is Nolan Smith. Jalen Carter's just a big old, big old dude. I don't know about his football acumen. I don't know much about that. People questioned his character, but that's BS, man. I don't think it's so much character, too. But so my whole outlook on the whole thing is like there was just there was some stuff that he said. Like I I feel like the Atlanta Falcons organization is a little bit gun shy, and and Jalen Carter said some things prior to the draft. That would probably make the meter turn. If it's between Bijan and Jalen, it the meter turns just because you don't you can't afford after after doing what you did this offseason, uh, after after getting out of your cap hell and like getting things switched around, new regimes in place, I, I don't think they can afford to whiff on a first round draft pick. And I don't think Jalen is gonna be a whiff. And I honestly think, unfortunately, because I think he's in the best possible place that he could have gotten drafted. He's around his friends. He's around his brothers. He's 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 now in a place where they have veteran leadership plus the guys he came through college with. Yeah. It's a perfect situation for him. Do I wish he was a Falcon? I kind of do because I know I've watched the man play football, but I understand why he's not. And then I also understand why you don't pick Nolan Smith at the eighth spot, but that was hopefully a situation where, you know, maybe we trade back, we get some more draft capital, and we we end up getting a great player like Nolan Smith. Somehow or another, it's the the Eagles are coming up aces. Yeah. Two years in a row. Well, you know, they say, too, that, you know, running taking a running back at eight is not wise. That's why I was wondering, like, why didn't they take Nolan Smith? Uh, Bijan might have been around later. But the fact that they say that he's, he's like one of those kind of not once in a lifetime, but like that rare guy that's just not just a running back, like him on the field changes the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've seen the word game changer tweeted, you know, Field Yates loves it, loves the pick. And again, as fans, we have to be supportive, you know, and, and we'll talk about this in a minute and kind of how, you know, the clubhouse is handling Marcelo Zuna. But as, as fans, we have to be like players. 
Now, there might be some players, I don't think they would vocally say they don't like to pick, but behind closed doors, maybe talking to their buddies, they might be like, I don't know. But as a team, they're like, yeah, we got a great guy in here. Looks like he could be a really good piece to this offense. He could be a really good NFL player. He, he can elevate us. You know, I, I will say this. Uh, my expectations for Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons, no less than 12 wins. With this vamped up defense they've got, they brought some guys in with these tools they got. I mean, I get it. Uh, Ritter is, is, a, is a rookie, basically. He's only played four games. But with all these weapons, and B. John Robinson, it sure looks like, is going to play game one. Sure. This is not a we've got him and, and he'll be it. No, he's in. He's um, inserted into the offense right now. He's a starter. So, with Drake London, Ritter, Algiers, all these, I, I, yeah, I've got high expectations for Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. I really, really do. I'm, I'm putting them at ten. Like, I I need ten, um, just because I I think everybody does. And what I really, really, really badly want is for us to have like a, a very lopsided uh home record. I need us to win a lot oh, at yeah. home. I mean I, I just I that that's just one of the one more step in the right direction. Um I you look at the NFL and God, you look at how just even after round one of the draft and you look how the Eagles are constructed and you look how the 49ers are constructed and those those are two teams in the NFC. So I'm not staring at this season like <laughs> feeling real great to start telling everybody the Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. No. But but you want to see you want to see leaps and bounds from last year. You really do. And then and and you actually have now you're going to have like a, you're going to have weapons around Ritter. So there's going to be uh, I'm going to say very little room for error there. Like you're going to want to see what you want to see out of Desmond Ritter with what you're putting around them. Otherwise it's going to really piss people off and they're going to go back to the fact that we could have drafted defense again. If again, and that's what fans have to, you just look, it's over. It's done with. So you just have to tell yourself because this is to me what the Falcons said. We did enough. We did enough on defense and now we can afford to take this guy with this pick. Cause if the Falcons had felt like they didn't do enough on defense, maybe they do. But I also understand now, you know me, I, I, I say something and I, I back off and think about it for a minute. And it, really, at, at eight, it's kind of hard to pass on a guy like Bijan Robinson. Is he going to be good? He sure seems like he has all the tools to be good, but it's the NFL. Who knows? Right. Every draft pick is a gamble. Well, and that's the, that's the crazy part, and I, I feel like this happens a lot to Atlanta teams, is we're, we're like right outside of the quote-unquote, like, guaranteed players you know what I mean like you know what you're getting up until the point where we draft and then it's like well now you got to guess on the next 15 players who could all be the same one could be good one could be a bust it's a it's a difficult position but honestly the way that it the way that it worked out I feel like it put us in a good position they had the two people that they probably really coveted and they had to make a decision between the two of them and by the way people are talking, like you can you can hear tone and you can hear how they're saying it. Like it seems like that they they really are high on Bijan Robinson, and this is something that they've been like really planning for uh, for for a while now. So I, if if they, if you're sold, if you're so sold on somebody, like I, I want that. I watched draft day 
the other day just to just to watch it again because I actually um, a lot of people hate that movie. I I kind of love that movie. Never seen it. Um, well, watch it and then you tell me how you feel about Bo Callahan and Will Levis. Um, but um, one of the one of the main premises of the movie, so I don't ruin it for you, is like the he knew he knew who he wanted to draft. You know what I mean? They they had an idea uh, of what they wanted to do, and ultimately it came down to just doing it. So if that if they know that like you can you can really boomer bust pick with Jalen Carter if that's how you view him like he could it could go off the rails you could be looking at another Tack McKinley um, or you have this guy and your coach is does wonderful things with running backs and this guy is so much more than just a running back and he is that game changer then like when you gut feeling when I saw it was like shit and it was only shit because I knew what was coming next. I didn't know that they were going to trade up and draft Jalen Carter next. To be honest with you, I really wish the Seahawks would have just drafted him so that it wasn't even an issue and we weren't going to have to talk about it. But it didn't happen like that, and my nightmare scenario came true. They traded up and drafted him right behind us. So now if he's a complete animal, everybody's going to dwell on it. Of course. Well, here's the thing, too. And some people may disagree with me. I don't think there is such a thing as money in the bank draft pick ever because of the nature of the game. Peyton Manning, it sure looked like he was going to be, and he was. But injuries. Things happen. You get into the wrong program, the wrong system. You don't get picked up by the right team. And the biggest thing that people don't talk about, or maybe they don't realize, is the shine. You can have all the talent in the world and everything, but you get up here and there's the media and there's the parties and there's the money and there's the women and there's your crew and all your boys and all these things now. That, and, and now you, and you have family looking at you and, and relatives looking at you. There's all these things going on around you, and it's how you balance it and how you handle it and how you deal with it. Because when you're in high school – you go play on Friday night, you practice, you run around with your buddies, you go home. It's starting to get a little different. Some of these high-profile guys, these D1 guys, get a little more uh, you know, things going on. But college still it amps up a little bit, but you, you go to parties, you know, and a lot of these programs are pretty strict too. So, you, you're on a, you know, it's almost like military life. You, you have a schedule. You have places you need to be every day, and if you're not there, you're going to get in trouble. Now it's still the same in the NFL, but you 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 become a a paid employee. You're you're a grown up, so to speak, man, and you have all those other distractions. Not that you know in in training you you know you do have places you need to be and in, in, in things, but man, you're all of a sudden you see yourself with millions and millions of dollars, and and you're suddenly famous. So it's just a different ball of wax when you get in the NFL. And you could be have all the talent in the world, but if you can't handle all the outside pressures and all the things that come with being a star in the NFL, you're not going to play well on Sunday. And again, injuries. Anything can happen, man. You know, it's yeah. a, it, and that's you. It just it all de- depends on your perspective too, um, and I think that's what everything like a lot of the stuff we talk about boils down to. If you're if your your perspective is negative, and you you in your mind decided that we needed a defender and that's the only way that we're going to be good. And we went against your will and now you're mad at us. Then like, that's 
that's how some people choose to to view it. I I'm anybody could be great for us, anybody could be a bust for us, yeah. but I, I they seem very happy. I, I trust the people to do their job correctly, and they seem very happy about what they've done and everything else they've done this off season seems to track that they're they're doing positive things for this football team. So. I'm, I'm with it. I'm excited well, that he's here. Arthur Smith didn't come here to lose. No, no, no. You know, no coach ever does. Um, Terry, Terry didn't come here to to help get us out of cap hell, and uh, that's you know, it. The only thing I can tell you is don't waste any more energy on it. If, you, if you're mad about it, get over it because the milk spilled, the pick is made. They're not going to be like, ah, well, you know, um, Daryl over in College Park doesn't like the pick, so – can we call the NFL and see if we can change it? Can we get a do-over? No, it's done. Bijan Robinson is Atlanta Falcon. He's here. We're going to make the best of it. I don't. I don't dislike it. I was just kind of like, well, it'd be cool, maybe. I don't know. But I'd... anyway, done. Just a quick uh, heads up. We got a legacy pick. Joey Porter Jr. is off the board. The Steelers picked him with the first pick in the second round. Of course, of course. Um, good for them. They always do. They always draft great. So, yeah, uh, the Eagles are now being called uh, UGA North, and they're going to have a great defense. That's four great defensive players you have. I think Auburn is going to have to just go by the Tigers now because we're building War Eagles in Athens. Yeah, right? (laughs) So, you know, like the pick, don't like the pick, it doesn't matter. The pick has been made. It's over. I want an O-lineman at pick 13 that's going to come up here in about an hour or so, I think. You know, seems like every uh, the pick is in. Coming up, it, it, it just takes too much time. I don't really care about watching the draft anymore. I'll, I'll follow it. But it's, to me, it's also like, you know, uh, uh, blue chip prospects or anything. Uh, sure. Sure. You got a great player, but is Bijan Robinson going to be great? I hope so. He was really good in college. May not pan out in the pros. Who knows? God, I hope he does. Cause I, I feel like he will, but again, we we just don't know. Injuries and all that stuff we just talked about. We're not going to go back and repeat ourselves. But he's got he's let's just say this. He checks all the boxes. So the Falcons took him. They wanted a <laughs> uh, a dynamic, you know, holy cow player on offense. They got him. So now we now we now we you know, it's gonna be time to pad up soon. Summer practice is coming. So we'll see how it goes and I, you know, football season is going to be here before you know it, and we'll, and we'll see what's up. Expectations are high, though. Period. End of story. Expect now. Is Arthur Smith on the hot seat? No, he's not on the hot seat. Are there high expectations? Yes. With the new defensive coordinator, the guys they brought in on defense, Bijan Robinson, Desmond Ritter starting. They named him the starter. I think they did that ahead of the draft, so he wouldn't be wondering, and everybody else would just shut the fuck up about whether or not the Falcons were going to draft Anthony Richardson or somebody else. And by the way, the Colts are stupid. Well, the Colts might be stupid, but I feel like what they did there is took a project with Gardner Minshew as probably going to be their starting quarterback. I don't uh, – it'd be a real Ursay thing to do to, like, demand Anthony Richardson to be on the field, but if you want to be really smart about it and you let the kids sit and you, you use what you have right now and let him learn and coach him up – you, if you can coach him up, you have a serious weapon. You have the most athletic quarterback that we've seen since Cam Newton. Yeah, I just I think it's a bust. I think it's a big fat bust. I think most people do. I don't like it. I, I he just because you ran the fastest on the playground doesn't mean shit to me. And he's already running his mouth about how he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback and this and that. Just shut up. Mm-hmm. Shut up. I uh, shut your mouth. Go to work and prove it. 
That's all I got to say. There I don't want to hear your talk. I don't want to hear your guff, your mouth, anything. Shut up. Get in camp and prove to the Colts why you were the number four pick and prove to the world why from from all that you were in draft, you know, uh, Antarctica. And you had this great combine and you could throw it really high and you hit something in the ceiling with your pass. Sorry, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. If you guys, those of you who are new to listening to us, don't know that uh, Rob also has a place in his heart for the Indianapolis Colts. Now you I know. do. Now you know. I do, but I, it's I mean, that's not even. Uh, I mean, that's that, I didn't really think about that coming in. You know, coming into that thing, the draft. But it, it's just that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand how a couple of afternoons running around in notepads with no opposition or anything makes you this amazing. I don't give a damn what his Wonderlick score was or any of that crap. So I got a couple of names for you. I'm just looking, I'm looking at the big board right now um, with us having the 13th pick. Um, the number one tight end on the board, Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame is still on the board. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's probably going to come off. Uh, either way, I'm not looking at him, but we're looking at guys like B.J. Ojolari from LSU. Um, Darnell Washington is intriguing to me. I don't just know. We have a bunch of tight ends. I, we have I a know. Ton. I know. I just love them. Brian Branch. Aren't there, aren't there five? We have at least five on the roster officially. Sure, but, I mean, if you – I just just imagine. Where, where's our button? Where's our magical yeah, right. button? You got Darnell, Janu, and Kyle Pitts. With Bijan in the backfield, man, you can do anything there. And essentially, uh, my man Darnell is a, an offensive lineman. Brian Branch from Alabama is still available. Uh, Drew Sanders from Arkansas at linebacker is still available. Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Christopher Smith from Georgia. Keely Ringo from Georgia. Uh, man, there's we're going to get somebody good with this pick. Cody Mock and Osiris Torrance are tracked to be available when we pick. Um, I really, I really want you to see a picture of this guy at some point with his teeth missing. It's a, uh, it's unbelievable. But we still got plenty of time to address the stuff that everybody thought that we needed to address in the first round when we drafted <clears throat> Ejon. So well, the Titans just traded up, so they're probably going for Levis. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, he did drop out of the first round. Who cares? Doesn't matter. He's oh not yeah, gonna, he's they not just gonna, drafted him. Just not. He's not going to play for the Falcons. So whatever. Um. And I, and I think, you know, because of this new format we're trying to do and, and, and we need to get moving on. And uh, But, hey, look, a lot of excitement building for the Falcons. We've got we got a revamped defense, a brand-new v- defensive coordinator. we got a couple of Ferraris in the backfield. we got some Lamborghinis in, in Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Uh, offensive line play, it, we got to shore that up. they got to gel. they got to come together and play better. If they can – if everything can – fall into place and the tumblers will click for the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to have a good team this year. We're going to see some winning period. End of story. Now we wait. That's all we can do. We wait. They practice game. One's coming this fall end of summer. And we'll see where we go from there. But next thing we need to move on to is the Atlanta Hawks. They did. They did more in that series than I thought they did. I think there were some things to look at that they could build off of, uh, Ice Trey, boy, he stuck a knife in their hearts up in Boston with that late three to take it, bring it back home. They they had to shuffle poor Janet Jackson aside on a Thursday night to play Game Six, but hey, they did better than I expected. I said they were, and and I quote, I said, "Mark, the, the Celtics are going to beat the shit out of us," and they didn't. 
that was a good series. The, the, the Hawks gave it a ride. They ended the season, I think, on a positive note. And again, now all we can do, you can speculate, you can talk, but now all we have to do is see what the Atlanta Hawks do this offseason. And I think, my opinion, they're going to shake it up quite a bit. Does Trey leave town? No, I don't think so. Does John Collins finally leave town? High probability. I think so. DeJounte Murray is going to be around. Well, and, and again, I don't know. I don't know what could happen. I bet Mark can probably pontificate here for a second. But storyline for the Hawks is watch out because they are going to be shaking things up quite a bit. How much is Snyder going to change his staff up? Is he going to, is he going to fire some people and, and bring in some, some different guys and, and, and maybe make some changes coaching-wise? I don't know. Maybe. You can almost guarantee that's going to happen with yeah. any new coach. I, I feel like coming in, trying to trying to wholesale revamp the coaching staff in the middle of the season, it's yeah, weird no, enough yeah, yeah. to bring in the head coach. But, you know, he's already got he's already got people in the wings to come in. But um, I've already heard talk about uh, the potential fit for Jay Crowder. He's not happy or he doesn't understand what his role is in Milwaukee. Um, and they got bounced. So Yeah, by the heat. Yeah. So he's been a name that's already been talked about. Um, I I think you're I think you're almost for certain going to see John Collins move. Um, I think DJ signs a contract. I don't. I I keep having. It's not really a pipe dream for me. I I wouldn't be surprised if I woke up and one day this this happens. Um, but I I also don't. I'm not getting too excited about it. But I I meant. The Hawks need to go look about, inquire about acquiring Jalen Brown. It needs to happen. They need to, they need to just make sure that, like, if there's a way we can do that to make that happen. Because I, he's apparently not happy in Boston, but man, that dude, that dude was thriving in the Atlanta crowd. He, there was a point in the game where the crowd was like chanting ATL, and he walked down the court drained a three and just beat on his chest to let everybody know he's from here. And I, man, I, for a second there, I was like, man, that would be super nice to have that. But I, I, you're looking for a lot of moves there. Just look for a lot of free agent signings too, to boost our toughness. And I think this is something else that people don't understand either about players. They want be it the Hawks, the Braves, the Falcons, whoever they have to fit into the scheme. They have to fit in in what that coach's idea of what he wants to bring to life on the field. And is does he fit that for Quinn Snyder? I don't know. I don't know enough. Um, so that's another thing, too, when you guys start talking about, well, we need to bring this guy to Atlanta or that guy to Atlanta or we want this guy. If it, Every coach is different. They have their idea. And, and if he doesn't have the abilities and the skills that will be allow him to succeed – then they're not going to bring him in here. That's another thing I think people don't think about is how does this guy fit into what we want to do offensively or defensively? Sure. I, that's every sport. Yeah. Well, and I see, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what it is, and I think it's a, a little bit a little bit playoffs and a little bit Quinn Snyder, but I, I feel like at some point over the last few weeks, Trey Young got his confidence back. He, I, he, it's just been off all year long. And something about the last few games, I know, I know the dude thrives under in, in pressure situations, and he just looked like a different basketball player. He looked like he was actually having fun out there, and I hope, I hope that it has something to do with Quinn Snyder. I hope that is like a 
a good thing for him, a positive thing for him. Um, I don't think Trey's going anywhere. Trey shouldn't go anywhere. Um, but yeah, this is I I feel like this is gonna look like a, a, a much different team next year. I think you're gonna see more uh more veteran depth. Um, it's it's hard not to have more veteran depth than what we have right now because we have very little. Um but I think you're gonna see the team constructed to where um we're we're a tougher team. We're not as undersized. I think that's the the main goals here. Yeah, I, I do think the Hawks need to be tougher. I'm gonna say something and you can be like, yes, or you can say you're fucking crazy. I think they need to be faster. I don't think their offense I think they need to up the pace on their offense. I don't know, but what do you think? I I don't disagree with you at all. Okay. Um it's it was a weird thing. It so you Trey Young's very fast. And sometimes sometimes the rest of the offense didn't seem to move faster than the pick and roll stuff with Clint Capella is great. Clint Clint's not a fast guy. Um it I it's strange to say because when we run up and down the court, it seems very fast, but the actual offensive set seems slow moving. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're saying too, yeah. because you know, Trey when Trey's the catalyst, when Trey has the ball in his hand, when he moves to the basket, like it if the ball leaves his hand, all the things that happen after that seem to be much slower than the initial than him at the beginning of the play. Mm-hmm. So I get what you're saying. I think it needs to be more fluid, and I think that's something that Quinn Quinn's like a basketball savant too. So like it, he's he's very cerebral. Um, he is going to he's going to try to make that stuff work. He's he's nuanced. He knows what he wants to do to help you be better at what you do. And I think that's going to take, hopefully, sooner than later, you you figure out who's going to be on your team, who your personnel is, so you can start working on that. My guess is he's probably already working with Trey. He knows what he wants to do with Trey. He knows what role he wants Trey to play. He's literally been in his ear this entire mm-hmm. time. And and that's the thing, the, the, the comment he had with him before he went out and drained that three in Boston like you, you can just. I man, I I hope it's what I'm seeing. I hope I'm seeing the bond between coach and player. I hope Trey is like they're they're building trust with one another because it seems like he's helping get Trey's confidence back. Where I feel like when Nate was here, Trey, it was damned if you do, damned if you don't for Trey, and he wasn't he wasn't scoring like he used to. He wasn't distributing like he used to. He was just in kind of limbo, but he was still giving you twenty six and ten. Yeah. <clears throat> so. I'm hoping that what this is doing is it's it's working. Quinn's getting to see what happens. Quinn's getting to see how everybody plays, how everyone plays together. And slowly but surely, it seemed to be a more fluid process. Now with this offseason and whoever else you bring in, hopefully he can create whatever he wants, what he knows he can do with Trey and the rest of the team. Hopefully he can put that all together. I'm sure everybody has cleaned out their lockers and gotten the, hey, guys, take some time for yourselves. But very shortly in the near future, if it hasn't, you know, in the next week or so, the Hawks are going to bring Trey Young into State Farm Arena. And they're going to sit down in a room with Quinn Snyder, and they're going to talk about basketball. Quinn Snyder's going to lay out his vision. He, I mean, Trey already knows, but, you know, they're going to talk. And then they're going to start building, and they're going to start – you know, revamping and, and doing all the things. And, you know, it's, it's just got to watch, got to wait. You know, uh, there is a draft coming, and I don't really care about that anymore either because you just can't ever really tell with NBA draft picks because they're kids. 
Yeah, it's it's so, so I don't different care now. about that. Um, I just want. I'm just glad we have a coach that wants to be here. Everybody knows Nate McMillan was on the fence about whether or not he should take the job, and it, it, he made it very clear to us this season and part of last season he wasn't the guy for the job. Body he language in all caps. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't mesh well with uh, Trey and all that. So, but it's all over now. And for all of you out there that were, you know, are trashing Quinn, you, you gotta. <laughs> You got to give the guy a chance, and this is not his chance. And even if he doesn't do well next season, that's still not his chance. It, you know, it's very rare these days that anybody comes into any organization and just immediately flips it. It does happen, but you have to give them time. And he's got to go find his coaching staff, and he's got to look and, and look at that roster and go, want him, want him. Like him, but doesn't fit in. Don't want him. Definitely don't want him. Can we go get this guy? Can we get that guy? And that's it. And and you can talk about all the players you want, but they've got to fit in to what Quinn Snyder's vision is as a basketball team. Pound the boards, take it to the hole. That's what I like. Pound the boards and get down the court as quick as possible. Fast, physical basketball. You don't see it a lot. These days in the NBA, I will tell you the one of the one of the glaring deficiencies for that Hawks team was definitely on the glass. There, yeah. I mean, there's games where Clint Capella has 24 rebounds, and there's games where Trey Young puts up a three pointer, and everybody else is backing up like they know it's going in, and there's four people from the other team fighting over mm-hmm. a rebound. It's, a, I don't know, I. I just I can't handle that. Like for a team that that re, that does not rebound well when they try, like to not try is just it, it's hurtful. I didn't I don't like it, and I I want I want rebounds. I want defense. I want a real real rim protector um, that can also run the pick and roll with Trey. I I don't know if Capella is going to be the guy. I don't know if he's going to be around. I like the piece that we have in a Kongwu, but we do need somebody else down there. He's not going to be the only guy. He's not going to just come in and replace him. So I, I hope wholesale changes are coming. Um, but again, it, it, it's it's not easy to make I, all I that work. I predict big changes for the Hawks, and that's where we'll leave it with that. I think you're going to see a new look Hawks team. You're still going to have your tray, your cornerstone. Dejounte is going to be here, but after that, I don't know. But I do think they are going to. You're going to see some big moves. I think you're going to see some major moves made, and Quinn Snyder is going to implement what his vision is for a Hawks team that can win and be successful, and we just have to wait and see what that is. I'm sure the news will come out. We'll follow it. We'll bring it to you. And, you know, we're we're almost out of time, but let's talk about the fact that we have a divisional matchup tonight. First one of the season, Mets-Braves. In that stinky toilet bowl of a town called Flushing, New York. And we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the, Met, the Mets on, are good. Maxie's on the mound. Braves are good as well. Verlander made a start, uh, a rehab start. He'll be back soon. Michael Harris is down there having a rehab start. I have to think that that spells the end of the road for Marcelo Zuna. But we didn't mention this earlier. And while you fan, and now Marcel got a couple hits the other night, and the crowd went wild. They loved him then. But here's the thing. This is what I'm trying to explain to a lot of you people that, and I'm not saying I haven't done it and I'm not guilty, but I'm trying to be a better person and understand the game better. And I'm also going to say something else to you too. Listen, everybody in that clubhouse is, is Team Marcel. Everybody in that clubhouse wants him to break out. 
Everybody in that clubhouse wants him to play well. They're all supporting him. They are all behind him. Had to listen to Brand Goddard the other night, Braves' new announcer, if you don't know who that is, talk about how sad it was. Joe Simpson even, about how the Braves country was just beating this guy up. And he hasn't played well. But inside that clubhouse, inside that organization, nobody is telling Marcelo Zuna he sucks. No one is telling him you got to get out of town. They are trying to stay positive and build him up. So he does produce. So he does produce. Now, other people the other night when we lost, you know, we got swept by the Astros. That's going to happen. Mets swept the shit out of us last year. Four games up in New York, if I'm not mistaken. It happens. It's early. But everybody was on Twitter, because I try to get on social media during the game, and then we got a first pitch happening. Oh, Braves are playing right now uh, on a Friday evening. But everybody's like, well, why did we put Chavez in? What are we doing? Why this? Why that? Listen, baseball, and I'm going to steal a line from Denzel. This shit's chess. It ain't checkers. They have their shit planned out with analytics they know who's they know who Jesse Chavez pitches well against four games down the road. They all these numbers and all these analytics, they get it together and and yeah, of course there's some nights where you're out in the pen. I'm, I, I I guarantee you if you could ask any coach that was in the pen with Spencer Strider when he was warming up the other night and he almost tossed a no-no, it just felt different. The pop of the glove and everything. So yeah, sometimes it's instinct. But if Jesse Chavez is pitching tonight, it's because the analytics Said, hey, here's here's how these here's the guys that you could or should maybe should use tonight that match up the best against this team. But you also got Houston four games away. Here so it is. It's it's hard. It's like making a schedule. The it's not just, well, who do we want to throw? Who do we have out there? It's no. Who are we playing next week? How many pitch I mean, it's a lot of stuff. How many pitches has he thrown? Da 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 da. Everybody got mad because he gave up this home run and everything, and it was, his, it was his first runs he surrendered in nine outings. So I'm just telling you right now, baseball is one of the toughest sports there is. And nobody seems to get this. It is Bryant Snicker versus Dusty Baker. And it is a chess match, brother. It is a thinking man's game. Now, they all say, let's make it simple. You know, you throw the ball, you catch the ball, you hit the ball. In some ways, Yes. But, man, I'm telling you, there is so much more that goes into who's on the mound against what hitter, against what day of the week. All that, man, all those analytics are going into it, and that's something you need to think about, for real. And we're not fully healthy yet either. So, like, yeah. en- enjoy, that, enjoy that we're not in last place. Like, we're, we're doing well for not having all of our Yeah, I'm not complaining at all. We are having a fine – we're off to a fine start. But that's what I want you to, to realize is, like, why <laughs> – why is A.J. Minter out there right now? Well, because there's a plan, and not just today's plan. They're looking down the road at matchups and how things work out. That's why it's called a rotation. Falcons just traded up. And that's why, they, that's why they say you're setting up your rotation. You set up your bullpen, all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And I'm just trying to tell you how to watch baseball so maybe you understand it a little more and maybe you don't get in your feels so much. But another thing I want to talk about is is Mr. Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn Grissom. I, I, I've been watching him. I don't know how much baseball you've been able to look at lately because I know you're in the restaurant. I think I texted you the other night, and you, you said you were trying to watch as much as you could because of uh, what Strider had going on. And in case you missed it, he was perfect through six. Some errors ruined the perfect game. But then my nephew, 
that little son of a bitch, he ruined it. Because just before that hit happened, and this is what you saw me, Donnie, everybody, I don't ever text anything that mentions it. I just go, hey, you watching this? Yep. And I, in my family group text, (coughs) sorry, I said, hey, guys, are y'all watching this? (coughs) Texted some other buddies. And he goes, oh, I, I don't. No, I'm not. Oh, man, guys, I'm dying here. He goes, I'm not. I, I got some stuff to do, but what's going on? And I said, I'm not saying anything. Let's just say Strider couldn't be any more dialed in than he is right now. And my buddy goes, got it. Tuning in, I won't talk about it. But he, So I, I put in the family text. I said, hey, you guys watching this? He goes, oh, what, Strider's perfect game and maybe a no-hitter? And I was like, damn it. Yep. And what happened? Guy reached out, golfed one into the outfield, and, and it's over. But still. For anybody that had any concerns, and I did hear some people and see some people saying because he dropped in velocity a little bit, they were worried about Spencer. Well, at 3-0 and with a sub-2 ERA, and that outing he just had, get over it. Ain't nothing wrong with that kid. He can pitch. Flat out the kid can pitch. And Bryce Elder, too, man. That guy, that guy can pitch. He had a rough one the other night, and Braves had to come back and win. He hadn't given up a home run all year, and he gave up three in the same game. But uh, Tom Glavin was in, in the booth, and he's like, you know, looking at Bryce Elder, and he's like, it's called pitching. You don't see that much more these days because this fastball tops out in the low 90s. But he can, he can put it where he wants to. He can place it, and he can do things that are deceptive, and he's got the off-speed stuff. But anyway, uh, I got sidetracked there because I got all excited about the no-hitter and everything. But Vaughn Grissom, I think Vaughn Grissom's problem, and it's not, not that it's a problem, but I think what, why he's kind of struggling a little bit is I don't know how much baseball you've watched, but when the ball comes at him, he seems to tense up a little bit. Like he gets nervous. Lynch? Yeah, well, but because he doesn't want to mess up. Because maybe he's not so confident that he's supposed to be here, and he feels like he has something to prove, which as a young player he does. I just think he's in his head a little too much, and he's trying a little too hard to be the guy and to prove that he's here because he does belong here. He can play at this level. He played at this level last year. He's been up here this year. But I think he just when it when it comes to him he's he gets he gets a little nervy and he tenses up because he he wants to be good he wants to be the guy and he wants to be the best and that's I mean and I played baseball for a long time and I I've talked it and watched it and I, and I you just can see things and when I see the ball coming in sometimes it's almost like he's like Ooh! so you know I I think <clears throat> that'll that'll probably go away with time I'm sure everybody's in the dugout saying hey kid you're here for a reason you know just chill out calm down relax. But I think he is trying a little too hard, and uh, I think we're going to be fine. But I think with Harris coming back and Grissom seemingly uh, – he, he's doing okay. I think he's he cooled off a little bit. I think he's batting around 260-something right now. A couple of guys have cooled off. But I think the way he's swinging the bat, I, I, I think it with Harris coming back, I think it does spell the end of the road for Marcel. And he's, going to, he's not going to finish the season in Atlanta, I can tell you that. I don't know how that works out. We get a bag of balls and like forty dollars for him, you know, um, or he goes, or we DFA him, but something. But I'm just gonna say this, Marcel. Good luck. There were some moments I enjoyed watching you play, and I, and I hope he gets somewhere else. And I, you know, fresh start. I've said it on here before. I think he just needs a fresh start. That's that's really all I think. Sure, it's probably. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough going through all the stuff that that he went through. It's tough dealing with all that stuff and. And knowing, hearing it from the fans all the time, it's got to, it's got to wear on you too. So, oh yeah, I'm just saying, uh, you know, you, and and again, I, I said at the beginning of the show, we're changing it up. I'm not going to focus on you too much anymore. Uh, I'm not going to uh, 
worry about you guys because I don't think you can change. I don't think you will change. I, I think you're always going to be stressed out and angry watching Atlanta sports, even though I'm, I, we've tried to give you the playbook of how to go about not just in Atlanta, just watching any sports team. This is a business. It's more than just, you know, what can they do on the field? There's other factors involved uh, along the way of, of who comes to play and how they perform. And, and you know, we just talked about how, you know, uh, Brian Snicker and his staff are, are, you know, they're focused on tonight's game. But you, if you don't think about who they're talking about playing next week, they, they do. They get reports full of chock full of numbers and everything about who matches up best against who. And so there's just so much more into it. And I, I think people just need to. Relax and, and just understand. Enjoy the and, process. And I, I know we're yeah. Enjoy the process. I know we. I uh, feel like we're beating a horse here, but uh, it really is. There's so much more. It's 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 not like little league where you just put the nine best players out there, and if Andrew stinks, then he sits in the dugout and he comes out and gets his one at bat, and he gets to play a half inning in left field and chase butterflies. And you know that's just not how it works. And I think that's I, I, that's Atlanta to me. I think a lot of our fans have a little league mentality. They're not big league fans. You know what I mean? I don't, if that makes sense at all. I think they have a little league, uh, just small-minded view of, of how this sport works. Any, you know, all the sports. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. But, again, like I said, when I, we, know how to, we know how to enjoy it. We know it's a long season. We know it's, there's, you know, other things at play when it, when you, when bringing a player in or deciding to cut a player or anything like that and and who starts when and where and when do they come in and, and all those things there's so many moving parts when it comes to a professional sports franchise and I just think a lot of you don't realize that and if you did realize that and kind of came around you'd probably enjoy watching it and you wouldn't be as angry all the time and it's, and hey it's better for your heart <laughs> it's better for your brain like just kind of you know just be like the dude, man. Just take it easy and just watch it unfold. And in, and until Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker do something, because that's the other thing. All all they've all they've done is win. And I gotta okay. We gotta we do have to run. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a great story to end the show. Uh, we are over, but so Stan Caston. Everybody knows who Stan Caston is. He's the president of the Dodgers now. He was part of the Braves organization. He, I was watching him. It was after a game the other night. They were interviewing Stan Caston. And, boy, I just looked at the TV and I said, well, I'm going to talk about that on the podcast if I remember it. So he said when they came to Atlanta and ripped off like nine, it was their ninth in a row. Stan Caston, John Sherholtz, Bobby Cox, everybody. And he's like, to win nine is ridiculous. To win 14 is miraculous he's like doing two in a row is like oh wow you repeated as a division champs you know three and he said in the AJC and on social media and other places that people are actually saying boy we'd be fine if we could just get Casson and the rest of that crew out of town after winning nine straight division titles and Stan Casson was just like I he's he's just used to it now and I was like you know what I just need to be like Stan he just understands that it's part of the business, and no matter how good you do, there's always going to be some boo birds or some morons out there that are like, well, if we could just get rid of Stan Cass and just and he's like, well, what more do you want? I'm we sorry, just, we, we just didn't won, win at all. We just won the National League East for the ninth <laughs> straight year. Oh, by the way, looking at my crystal ball, we're going to do it five more times before it's over. So that's when I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to waste any more time on those people. 
if they want to be stressed out, miserable, angry, grumpy little bitchy fans, then let them, you know, God bless you. Good, good luck. I'm going to be over here with the level-headed critical thinkers that understand what it means to play an entire season of professional sports and what it means to manage that and be a part of that. And I just couldn't believe that story, though, that Stan can't. And, but, I, but when I said he said it, I was like, well, can't believe that story, but also not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like nine, Shocking, nine but... titles, and you're still like, oh, we got to get him out of town. So anyway, guys, Braves, Mets, all weekend long. We're going to finish out a draft. The next time we talk to you, are we going to talk about the fact that Stetson Bennett's an Atlanta Falcon? God, it was, it so. was whispered. We're going to leave you with that. I've got to get back to work. Mark's got to do whatever Mark does on a Friday night. But until then, Atlanta, we love you. We need you. Good night. Have a safe weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Do you believe? 